Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. How good is that? Good to see everyone. All right, I'm just going to go straight into this. Uh, This is from Luke 15, starting at verse 11, but I'm just going to give you the the new GV version of this, which is the new Glenn version. Uh, And uh, this is the story of the loving father. Yeah, that's fine, eh? Uh, so Jesus tells a story, right? Um, and you've heard this. is a father with two sons. And uh, the younger son come to his father one day and said, Hey, Dad, I want a share of my inheritance now. Like now, okay? Now, Dad. Give it to me now. So the father, like, has two sons, and, and, he, and he gives them both their inheritance, um, Jesus said. And then the younger guy, he, he packed up all his belongings and he went on his big OE. Who's been on a, a big OE? Like, you know, uh, they're, they're cool, cool, cool experiences. But then while he was away, it, it, he wasn't very wise. He blew everything on, I think some versions say, on wild living. Uh, you can just put whatever you want around that and uh, in the party scene. And um, basically everything, everything was gone. And then he was left with nothing. He was starving. He uh, got to the outskirts of the city, I guess. And he begged a farmer to, you know, like, give me work. And the farmer said, hey, sure, you could be qualified to work with pigs. And so his job was then to feed the pigs uh, but the Bible says that he was still so hungry that he ate the pig's food. And then the pigs were hungry. No, it doesn't say that. Um, he was in a very desperate situation. And then while he's there, he just remembered that his father's servants, you know, never went hungry. That they were well looked after. And he thought to himself, man, I, I'm, I'm going home. And so he made his way home and then... You know, that's what the father saw him while he was still a long way off and, and dressed in rags. And, and with great compassion, the father ran to his son and he embraced him. And, and, his, and the son said, I could, you know, after everything I've done, I, I, I've never, I could never be called your son again. And, and then turning to his servants, the father said, this is the real Bible now. Quick, bring me the best robe, uh, my very own robe, and I'll uh, place it on his shoulders. Bring me the ring, the seal of sonship, and I'll put it on his finger. Then uh, bring out the best shoes and, uh, that you can find for my son. Let's pre- prepare uh, a great feast and celebrate for this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive again. He was once lost, but now he's found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. What a father. What a father we have. You know, haven't we all been like that son? Well, I know I have in my life coming and feeling unworthy, uh, but then realizing actually in the father's house, we have this great inheritance that we come into. We're adopted into his family and the son, he, his identity, you know, despite the mess he's made, his identity is restored. He is honored He's entrusted again uh, with the privileges and, and the responsibilities that came with being a part of the Father's house. And, you know, we could end the story there, but actually the story goes on. And we're just going to look at what happens next. It says this from verse 25. Now, 
the older son, was out working in the field when his brother returned. And as he approached the house, he heard the music of celebration and dancing. And, and he called out to one of his servants and said, hey, what's going on? And the servant replied, it's your younger brother. He's returned home and your father's throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. And the older son became angry and he refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him, come and enjoy the feast with us. The son said, father, listen, how many years have I been working like a slave for you? Performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son, and I've never once disobeyed you. But you never threw a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's doing now. But look at this son of yours. He's come back and he's wasted all your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living. And here you are throwing a great party and, you know, and, and celebrating with, for him. The father said, my son... You are always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. Who is uh, an oldest sibling in the family here? We've got some older siblings. I'm an older sibling. Feel your pain there, people? I, I, well, let's just have a moment of uh, relating to one, each, uh, to one another as, as older, older siblings. Like the oldest child is generally the experimental model. Uh, we are the lab rat of the pack, the, the crash test dummy, uh, you could consider yourself. Um, so I just want you to let that, like, we, you know, with this privileges as well, like, you know, the first grandchild, I'm sure, I don't remember any of that, that's the only problem. Um, but, you know, there were perks there. But, you know, as an oldest child, we, we, how long we had to wait for the privileges. You know, like, we were like, when you're 16, you can get the car keys, you know, but as soon as we had those privileges, it was like by default, all our younger siblings just got it at the same time. We're like, what? We had to wait for that stuff. And now, any older, older siblings, you feel me? Yeah. Oh, where's the justice? So here we've got this older brother, and, 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 he, and he doesn't share the joy about his younger brother returning at all. And he even he responds through this filter of, of bitterness and he, he confronts his dad with, with questions and accusation. How long have I been slaving away for you? You've never celebrated my faithfulness. And he like he's spitting out these words, but this son of yours, he's wasted your wealth on prostitutes. And I'm not even going to call him my brother. I'm like, he is like seething in this moment. And he's causing himself to distance himself from his whole family and disassociate himself from his brothers. And, and I guess this older brother, we're going to talk about the older brother a bit today. He, he has got all these missing pieces going on in his life in regards to the father's love and goodness towards him. See, this older brother, he, he's failed to view himself as a favored son. And because he failed to view himself as a favored son, he's actually become disconnected. He's become disconnected from the joy of being a part of the father's house as a favored son. 
You know, the relationships in our families. And now, you know, let's think of our workplace. You know, think of this church. These relationships will never graduate from a, 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 from a disconnectedness to connectedness when the issue of trust remains unresolved. See, this, this older brother... He was uncertain. He had trust issues. There were gaps in this relationship with his dad. And just like a tunnel house, you know, you think of a hot house, it, it produces its own climate and it causes accelerated plant growth. You know, a culture where individuals trust each other will accelerate the growth and the quality of relationships. Being in the father's house doesn't look like we just do life shoulder to shoulder. It looks like we do life heart to heart. Something looks different about being in the Father's house because love is transformational. Life looks different. Life looks like, you know, in the Father's house where trust exists, families are restored, you know, connected and full of the love of Jesus. And we believe this church is called to be a church where, like, People, families, marriages, you know, where the call of God, you know, everything is thriving because there are high levels of relational trust and everyone realizes how much they are a beloved son or daughter in the father's house. There's no gaps for you to start considering that you're on the outside looking in. You know, if your trust in God or your trust in people has been shaken, the good news is is that as followers of Christ, we have the ministry of reconciliation. The, the challenging part that comes with the ministry of reconciliation is that to graduate into high levels of trust, you know, those high trust is often forged through the fires of resolved conflict. Check this out in Romans 5, verse 5. It says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. So we need relational endurance and encouragement to be able to live in harmony. Some translations say in unity with one another. And, and there's this spiritual law, you know, that where there is unity, God commands a blessing. Where there's this agreement and one heart, you know, organizations and families thrive. They're going the same way. And we talk about the, the spirit of encouragement often, don't we? Love to talk about encouragement. How about you turn to your neighbor now and just say, you're amazing. Like, let's just, just bless them. You're awesome, but we don't like turn to our neighbor and say, man, I'm enduring our relationship right now. Just to, let's just release a spirit of endurance. Just to, you know. But endurance is required when challenges need to be overcome so there can be harmony and unity. Come on, that's a good word. Yeah. You know, in 1915, Ernest Shackleton's ship, the Endurance. You know, this ship kept this crew alive 
through the darkness of an Antarctic winter. And they'd become trapped on their voyage to Scott Base and then on to the South Pole. And, and it was nine months. They spent nine long, dark months in the endurance and this ship lived up to its name as the ice pressure came against it, as it was actually moving still with the ice. These guys survived in its hull, in its hull for nearly 500 days. Actually, that was the whole experience, sorry. So for nearly 500 days at sea, and after that time, the entire crew were saved. No one was lost because... This ship not only was called the Endurance, it carried the spirit of endurance, and it was prepared to go the distance. You know, endurance doesn't avoid the issues. Endurance keeps its skin in the game until tensions are resolved. And, and you know, you think of the father's, you know, the first son, the first son that went off and blew everything, and and his dad had every reason to build a wall in their relationship. This young son, he proved that he was completely untrustworthy. But the father displayed enduring love, and he immediately entrusted his son into his family again. So today, like enduring love. It could be for you in the context of your vertical relationship, your relationship with the Father. And maybe it's as simple as going, I am a beloved son, son or daughter. And I, even though I feel disconnected from him at the moment, my enduring love says I'm, I'm a part of his family. Or maybe enduring love for you in this season is actually more about your horizontal relationships. And, and you're, you know, considering, like, can I continue to give trust to someone else? You know, and the gift that everyone in this church, you know, that everyone in your family, and you know, you think of your marriage, your workplace, the gift that we need to give each other for the sake of enduring love is our trust. Andy Stanley said it this way. He said, we must learn to trust and be trustworthy. And I just want to credit a few of these thoughts to Andy today. You know, trust is the emotional glue that binds people together. But, you know, and we need that. We need to actually have emotional bonds uh, as a group of people doing life together. We need to have that connection. And but I know the challenge to trust and, and entrust others is real. And there's often unexplainable gaps in life when you're thinking of relationships around you between what people say and then what people actually do. You know, you said you were going to call me, but this is the third time you haven't called me. You know, and there's a gap there. It's just like, can I, can I trust you again, this trust gap has been created. And, and it, was, it was created because, you know, it looks different from what you said was going to happen to what actually happened. And so when there's this gap that's been created, we've got a decision with what we can place in that gap. And most often we fill that gap with the echo of our past experiences. This is what happened in the last church. This is what happened in my last relationship. 
this is how my boss treated me, and this echo comes back, and you have this assumption that people, you know, they're generally unreliable. I can't really trust people with my heart. And we can choose to fill that gap that is created with suspicion. You know, about 10 years ago, Debbie organized a surprise getaway for me to Queenstown. It was amazing. It was so cool. I love you, honey. It's still one of the most amazing moments that I treasure in our relationship. And somehow during this process of Debbie organizing a surprise getaway, I figured out there was something going on. I was just like, what's going on? Why is she on the phone? Who's she talking to? And, and, and she, why'd she hide that thing from me? What, you know, it's just like I had these unanswered questions. And then I start, start thinking, is she unhappy with me? <laughs> what if I'm losing her? <laughs> what if there's somebody else? <laughs> Another man in her life. And I'm like, drama, Queen Central. And, 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 but I didn't need to become suspicious. I could have just said, hey, is there something good or something bad that I could know about in this situation? And because suspicion erodes trust. That's what it does. And, 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 and suspicion prioritizes a negative assumption above the pursuit of reality or above the pursuit of what is true. So when there's a trust gap that's created, we need to, you know, we need to fill it with something. We've got a choice to make, and we need to fill that gap with trust and not suspicion. You know, there's a scripture from 1 Corinthians 13. You know where I'm going. Every wedding that's ever happened has had the scripture in it. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not honor, dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angers. It, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. Aha! I caught you out again. I knew you would do that. It doesn't actually say that in the Bible. Um, I, I put that in later. And then I tried to edit it out this morning, but I realized I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> but love rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You know, a person with this kind of love, this real love, you know, this is like agape love, always trusts. And that is that they will not be suspicious of the ones that they love. They'll be slow to believe any damaging news concerning the loved ones, because love is ready to trust. Love is ready to respond with trust, not suspicion. The Amplified Version says, to trust someone means that you are ever ready to believe the best of them. But what makes it difficult for us, let's get back to this, is who I am and what I see. You know, the who I am, the, the look in the mirror, uh, you know, the look at yourself. Maybe you're actually a slightly suspicious person by nature. Anyone would just, you know, anyone slightly suspicious? Only me. It's fine. It's good. Don't be suspicious. Uh, anyway, sorry. 
If you're under the age of 45, you might understand that. <laughs> you know, because of how you were raised, you may have been betrayed before, and you've been around people your whole life, and you've just seen the worst in people. And so your default mode is responding from a place of mistrust. And mistrust can become a form of self-protection. Come on. I'm sorry <laughs> if you're like, I'm safe mistrusting you. <laughs> you're so good. You can't get to me <laughs> because I'm never going to trust you with my heart. And, and we build this wall of mistrust around us to protect our hearts, because if I don't trust you, then you'll never have the opportunity to disappoint me. Problem is that you never have the emotional connection. We'll never be able to build each other up in the most holy faith. Let me just say this about trust, though. Trust needs to be earned. And if you've experienced a toxic relationship, it may not be appropriate for you to attempt to close the gap with them because the person is just not trustworthy. So when I say love always trusts, I think the caveat for that is that actually if someone is a harmful abuser, then you don't have to trust them with your heart because they will destroy your heart. But the thing is about suspicion is it will cause you to hold people at an arm's length for your whole life, and you'll never create those healthy relationships. You'll never be able to be a part of a healthy team to, to grow a thriving family. And, the, and, the, and if you can, you know, to, to walk through that tunnel of chaos, if anything crazy happens and you're like, I know I've got to walk through this, I know I've got to go through conflict here, you'll, you'll just walk away every time there is conflict. Living with suspicion places you in a defensive posture because you fear the worst, and fear is the enemy of love. Let me just jump to, I want to just finish this today with three commitments to respond towards someone with trust. Three commitments that you can make. And, and these are for people that are in your world. This isn't just for strangers and people you don't know, <laughs> all right? This is for people that are a part of your team, your family. First is when I see a gap between what I expect and what I see or experience, I'm going to fill that gap with trust. The second is when I catch someone else filling a gap with suspicion, well, you know what your friend told me <laughs> about you. I'm going to come to your defense. I'm going to be on your side. And number three, if what I see you do erodes my trust in you, I will come directly to you. I won't go behind your back. I won't talk to others about you. But I will ask you an empowering question that leads with a posture of trust. Like, 
Help me understand why you brought that up about me in front of those people. (laughs) Closing the gaps, it looks like responding with unfailing love. It doesn't react out of fear because love always hopes, (laughs) love always trusts, love always believes, love never fails. Love endures forever, ever. And and being in the Father's house, you know, I can imagine heaven must be this incredible sense of unity and of of oneness. You know, there's diversity, there's differences, but it's a place where we're all there because He is King. (laughs) In the Father's house, it looks like us loving one another despite our differences, moving close to, closer towards one another despite the friction even, and understanding one another. And I believe at this time, now more than ever, like let's close the gaps and let's believe the best in each other, for each other. You know, this older brother, I don't know, he must have done life for years being suspicious of the Father's intentional love towards him. And maybe you've got people in your life now that you're like, I am just, I'm suspicious of my parents. I'm suspicious of my friends. I've just been, I have so many arguments with them in my own head that aren't even real. And you realize that you've been living from a place of mistrust. You're like, I just... I don't know where to start with trust, with trusting people again. I felt so hurt. I just, I, let's start today with your vertical relationship with your father. Because he is, he is unfailing love towards you. His love never fails. He is so dependable and trustworthy. I love the conversation between the older older brother and the father. At the end, he says to this older brother, he says, my son, you are always with me by my side. He's affirming this older son's ongoing connectedness with his identity in the family and in the father's love. He then says to him, everything I have is yours to enjoy. There's an invitation into this Father's generosity. That every one of us is included, because this story is about God the Father, isn't it? It's about us in our place of disconnectedness and uncertainty. And He's saying, come on in! (laughs) Come on in, my love looks like something, people. It looks like I'm going to physically look after you. I'm going to actually take responsibility as a father that you so that every need that you have in your life is cared for that is your physical needs your emotional needs your spiritual needs i'm going to i'm going to just take care of the baggage as well you can come into the father's house i'm not going to judge you immediately he went you know and he kitted the younger brother out despite his failings and his brokenness with the best that he had again. That is how good our God is. 
Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media. 